What's up, Rundown Nation? I'm Woj. And I'm Walt. Welcome to the College Football Rundown. We're getting down to the grind the last few weeks here. I'm getting excited. Uh, This week, uh, pretty good games coming up. A lot of good over-unders, a lot of low (laughs) over-unders. We'll cover that in a little bit. Um, Last week's DraftKings League, uh, Walt. You took the uh, took the win with 167.68 points. You want to say anything about your team? The second win of the season for you. Oh, my team's great. They played hard. They're going to come out next week even harder. We're going to take the ship, baby. Took uh, took Chris Trey, the essentially RB two for Notre Dame. You know Notre Dame easing up on Williams a bit. Uh, Wall took advantage of that. Trey was only 3,200 dollars. I uh, scored 21.50 points, and that basically brings you into $149 a point. Well, that's pretty solid there. Also took Justin Fields, who was the most expensive player on the slate at 10K, uh, and he still pulled in 242 per point. So uh, well done on your team last week. Uh, we did have LW886, Lizzie Walt, came in second uh, with 162.56 points in Walrus 67 uh, came in third with uh, 160.82 points. So tight, uh, tight top three there. Uh, as far as the year-long swag contest goes, I still hold the lead, uh, barely, but still hold the lead with 3.54. Uh, Cruz 244 is in second with 3.75. James 03 is in third with 3.76. And while you're in fourth with 3.92. Uh, so still a close race. Anybody's game. Get your rosters in. We're going to have two weeks left remaining on the uh, year-long swag contest. One doesn't mean we're done with DraftKings, but just as far as the contest goes, we're going to do this week and then next week with a lot of the conference championships. Uh, and then we'll call it there. Uh, but tight race. Anybody can still win. This week will be the 13-game Saturday main slate. Uh, there was a couple game canceled. They added a couple games, so it was a little bit wonky there, but we're down to 13 teams right now as it stands. Um, and rankings didn't really change much last week. Well, we had a couple jumps. Uh, USC ended up jumping uh, after they beat Washington State on Sunday. It was good to watch that. And Iowa jumped up, but the biggest one probably was Iowa State. They uh, moved up to seven, Wall. Iowa State, not a team I like to hear about on the podcast. They're a good football team this year. They have two losses. One is to that Louisiana team that I don't, I don't know why they're ranked seven when you lose to that Louisiana team. But also, would you forgot to mention that uh, Coastal Carolina jumped. That's a pretty big one, too, up to 13. The Coastal did jump, and they uh, that brings us to last week's games. They did beat BYU because they had to make the switch, and uh, they, they picked up BYU on a plan that uh, was a home home game, so uh, they'll play. They played at Coastal Carolina this year. Next year they'll play at BYU, but they beat them 22 to 17. Well, they did. BYU was a 14 point favorite. Woj Coastal won straight up. You and I both. I mean, we've been on Coastal this year. We liked them this year. Disappointing, Woj, to watch the sportsmanship in that game. I don't know. If you saw it, I'm sure you're watching. I don't know if you're paying how close attention you're paying, but there was a lot of trash talking, a lot of late hits, a lot of dirty plays by Coastal Carolina. You know, I'm really not a big fan of this program anymore after watching that, you know, the sportsmanship that they displayed in that game. I didn't see it as a good example to set to kids. It's not something I like to see in a college football team. Yeah, I think they're just mad. I think they're mad, especially with the Iowa State getting bumped up to seven, considering they lost to Louisiana and Coastal beat them. (laughs) 
uh, that could be just one of the reasons. Um, but yeah, that was a little bit dirty. Um, Pac-12, other than uh, the highest person right now is USC at 15 wall is kind of in uh, a bit of a, a problem at the moment with getting into the playoff, huh? Well, they don't have a shot at getting in the playoffs. I mean, they're in a disarray to, to give you a word to put to this conference. California beat Oregon last week. Stanford beat Washington. I mean, and like you, you mentioned to it before, USC is clearly the best team in that conference right now. They haven't passed that eye test, which I hate that word. Which I absolutely hate that word, eye test. Who cares about the eye test? Do you win or lose? That's the point of the college football. USC has not passed that eye test, so they're not going to have a shot at the playoff. Oregon was really their only chance. Oregon's dropped, what, two now, Woj? They dropped last week. Oh, my goodness. Not good. It's really a travesty, though, that we won't get to see USC and Colorado play each other, both from the Pac-12 South. That would be a good you know, Pac-12 championship game to watch, but uh, Colorado not playing that one game. They're likely not in. USC will be in. We're going to be watching them play somebody else. Yeah, it would be nice to see USC-Colorado both being 4-0 at the moment. Um, Colorado sitting down at 21 on the sheet. Uh, the one I'm disappointed about is just kind of Cincinnati. They're 8-0. Uh, obviously didn't play last week uh, due to a COVID situation with the other. I can't remember who they were going to play, but uh, didn't play last week. Uh, still have Florida and Texas A&M sitting above them. Uh, I'm just worried about the situation with uh, what if uh, Ohio State loses or, or say Notre Dame or Clemson beats Notre Dame and say Florida beats Alabama, what happens with the with the playoff situation then? I don't think it's wrong at the moment being the top four teams, not in the right order. Obviously, we've talked about that with Notre Dame, but I do believe Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State are the four best teams in the nation, but we'll just see what happens uh, from that. And then speaking about Big Ten, Ohio State, Big Ten's flipping the script wall. They, uh, their rule was you had to play a minimum of six games to qualify for the Big Ten championship. Uh, they are lifting that rule now because Ohio State obviously is not playing this weekend, which would not give them the uh, six games needed to qualify. Uh, they are now going to let Ohio State in. And I agree with it, Wall, because even if they did lose to Michigan, they still beat the tie, win the tiebreaker against Indiana uh, now because they beat Indiana to get into the Big Ten Championship. So, I mean, I, I understand what they're doing and – I think it's a good decision. I think it's good for the Big Ten. I think Ohio State essentially is the best chance uh, for playoff berth from the Big Ten, so it just makes sense. I don't. Th I think Ohio State would have got it either way, but um, it just would have been a little bit more. They would have had to jump through more hoops for the uh, playoff committee wall. You know what? I well, it's, it's what you have to do as a conference. I mean, these conferences they make money if their team get in the playoff. They, they had to. They didn't really have a choice. You got the ACC over there giving their best teams a week off to prepare for their championship game to make their teams look better. The Big Ten had to. They really had no choice. I, I give props to the SEC by, for sticking to their rules. I will say I kind of harp on the SEC and how I don't like them as much all the time. But, hey, I give them props. Stick to the rules. Don't do things like the ACC and the Big Ten are doing. But it's it's hard not to, you know, side with the Big Ten. They have to because they need their team in there. It's the best way to get their team in there. Yeah, if there's a loser in all of this, it's it's not Indiana. I don't feel bad for Indiana at all. They lost to Ohio State. If they would have beat Ohio State, they would have been in. But the I, I feel bad for the fighting Reese Davises of Northwestern uh, because they have to play this week. Um, and Ohio State has had, now had two weeks off. 
go, they're going to be super fresh going into that game. So, or excuse me, they're going to have a week off going into that game. I, I kind of feel bad for Northwestern, especially if somebody gets hurt or they get beat up, uh, because they are uh, essentially having to still play while Ohio State is just getting in now. Uh, but it is what it is. It's the Big Ten's decision, and I understand it. I think it's the right decision. Um, but yeah, I kind of feel bad for the fighting Reese Davises of Northwestern. On to our games for this week. We got Wake Forest, who's four and three at Louisville, three and seven, 11 a.m. on the ACC Network wall. ACC Network. Hey, write your congressman. I don't get to watch this game. I don't know about you, Woj, but I don't get to watch this game. Write your congressman. We need this channel on Comcast. Anyways, back to this game. Wake Forest plus one and a half. Plus two and a half, depending what book you're looking at. Over under a 64. This week, that's a little sexy, huh, Mooch? That is. And uh, I really like this game. There's a lot of cool, interesting things. I mean, the first one is Kenneth Walker, the running back for Wake Forest, opted out for the rest of the season. Uh, so there's two games left, plus the bowl possibility if they do keep winning. Um, but, uh, yeah, Kenneth Walker is not in. So Christian Bale-Smith, the running back from Wake Forest, who's 6,600, essentially be RB1. And he already was a decent decent running back, uh, but he'll pick up his load. Uh, Justin Ellison, the running back from Wake Forest, who's 3,700, and Will Dar- Darby, uh, the other running back for Wake Forest, is 34, are the only two others that have carried anything in 2020. Uh, they've combined for 18 carries for 65 yards and two TDs. I wouldn't expect much from them. I would I would really look for Bale Smith to uh, pull in a lot of the uh, 37% rushing share that Walker had uh, before he exited. So um, we'll see what happens. I, I really like it here. Um, it's a Wake Forest team that runs it 59.1% of the time through seven games. So it's something to keep an eye on, uh, especially seeing what the coach says. I assume they're, they're going to give him the Bale Smith and he'll be kind of the front runner and they're not going to go to a committee uh, because he's done so well this year already. So 6,600 for an RB1 that, that could score some decent points in a, with a team that runs it a lot. So uh, I would look for him in this game to be uh, to be one of the front runners. Well, with your top running back opting out, you have to figure in this game too, which at least I don't want to put words in your mouth. You got to figure that the Wake Forest quarterback, Sam Hartman, he's going to get a little love over there. He's probably pretty high priced in DraftKings this week. Yeah, he is. And uh, well, he's coming off of a uh, a really good game too. So, I, I, I mean, it is what it is, but Sam Hartman, the quarterback for Wake Forest, and he's only 6,800, so it's kind of a bargain while considering some of the other quarterbacks out there. Uh, he put on a show against UNC on November 14th, and that was their last game. So they haven't played anybody since November 14th, um, and he did score 42.4 points in that game. Now, UNC does have a sketchy defense, and we'll talk a little bit about that in another game coming up, but he threw for 429 yards and four TDs and added a fifth on the ground. Uh, before that game, he was only averaging 12.15 fantasy points per game. But like we just talked about with Walker out, he might have to carry the load a little bit more. Uh, so I'm not sure if I'm going to put him into a cash game lineup wall, uh, but definitely going to slot him into attorney lineup uh, for sure. Just because of that, the situations that are happening at Wake Forest and how they're working out, I, I think at that price point you can you can pay up in some other areas and it would benefit you quite a bit. Yeah, make a stack on it, Woj. You're gonna stack it with a wide receiver over there. 
Yeah, sure. Jaquare Robinson is the wide receiver from Wake Forest that I'd stack him with. Uh, he's 6,700. It's the only person. Uh, Roberson is the is the wide receiver one without any question. Uh, there's not. He gets 20% of the target share and 35% of the yard share. Uh, so he is kind of the guy to look for. I wouldn't pick anybody else, even at the bargain bin on this one. Uh, if they're going to pass it and score touchdowns, he's your guy. But he's 6,700. He's a little pricier. Uh, but I mean. You're only getting that stack for for a little for pretty cheap, 6,800 for your quarterback, 6,700 for your wide receiver. So it's not a bad stack. Wall. Um, the other wide receiver from Wake Forest is Devon Green, and he's 5,600. And like I talked about, uh, he's not going to get as much of the, the the targets, and definitely not getting the touchdowns and yards that we'd expect from uh, a wide receiver to actually score some points. Um, At Perry. Uh, has is has been out the last two games and Green has kind of stepped up in those two games and he's getting 20% of the target share but again like I said he's only got two touchdowns and both of them were in that last UNC game he had a big game there so he's kind of pumped up on his salary I just don't like this on the other side if AT Perry does play who was out with COVID um, and it looks like he he should play he's um, he's only 3,200, and he's a way better option at 3,200 than Green is if you're going to triple stack this, or even if you're just going to take Hart- Hartman with Green. That's a possibility too. But I think if you're going to take Hartman, you're going to want to take Roberson just because of the synergy they've had this season. He's kind of the only guy that scores touchdowns for him, and the yards he gets, he's he's probably going to get you 100 yards in this game if, if they connect and do the same thing they did against UNC, and that's what you're looking for from your wide receiver for those extra points. I have to say, Woj, in this game, I, I, I'm going to be watching Malik Cunningham, the quarterback over there at Louisville. I'd assume he's probably good in DraftKings, too, because what he does is he he throws the ball and runs the ball. You, I'm sure you get points for that, right? You do, and it it's a total mess over at Louisville right now, to be honest with you. Tutu Atwell, by the way, just uh, announced on Twitter, uh, his Twitter, uh, he's going to forgo his remaining eligibility to Louisville and enter the 2021 draft, so he can no longer play in this game or any bowl game. Um, on top of that, we've already known the running back uh, issues they've had. Javian Hawkins, who was a really good running back, one of the best in college football in FBS, uh, opted out with three, three games ago. And then Maurice Berkeley, his backup, is now hurt. Uh, so there is a whole slew of shit happening over there, and it's not good. But Malik Cunningham, I think, is going to take advantage of this. He's 8900 this week, so he's priced high. Uh, typically he's a mid-grade, mid-tier dual threat quarterback, so he gets those rushing yards, gets the passing yards. Uh, he's priced pretty high for this week for a quarterback that's only hit 300 yards passing in three games and 100 yards rushing in two games, but like we just talked about, there's some circumstances here. Um, he scored 30 points in 50% of the games this season, uh, and with the current running back situation, which we talked about, I, I would look for him to run the ball more. He had 17 carries for 133 yards last week. Uh, with Berkeley out, so I imagine he kind of does the same thing this week. Um, if you want to match him up, and this is a guy I've been on all year, is Des Fitzpatrick, the wide receiver from them, uh, 5,800. So he's now going to be wide receiver one with Atwell out, and he just is coming off his biggest game in the season against Boston College, scoring 35.2 points. Uh, he's going to get a big jump in targets. Fitzpatrick is 40% of the target share the day that Bray or the day Atwell was out a couple weeks ago with an injury. 
and Braden Smith was 21%. So Fitzpatrick was getting 33% of the target share. That's huge. Uh, Smith isn't a bad play here either in a tournament play at 3,500. That's all he is, 3,500. He's going to be wide receiver two. He's going to be stepping up to a bigger role. We talked about how he got 21% target share the last time Atwell was out. So that would be a, a decent play, but I would imagine Fitz, Fitzpatrick be the playmaker here and Cunningham as well using his legs to the advantage wall. What I have to say in this game, what I'm looking at from my perspective is I got to look back. I, I don't like to do this. Wake Forest, though, is five and one against the spread, dating back as far as 2014. It's really not something I like to go that far back on, Woj. You're providing stats that are recent, right, from this year or last year. It's not something I like to go back on that much, but in this scenario, it makes sense to look at it because the books, they're just giving too much love to Louisville. Maybe the DraftKings is giving a little too much love to those Louisville players. Maybe Malik Cunningham's a little too overpriced. I don't know. Well, you know that, not me. But I think in this game, Wake Forest, they're not getting the love they deserve. Louisville has covered three of the last five at home this year. The overs hit five of the last six in Louisville's home games also. That's something to keep in mind, Woj. Speaks well for DFS. Hitting it over, it means the players are underpriced. Maybe in half the game, maybe only on the Wake Forest side. Who knows? But I do like Wake Forest in this game. I do like the fact that they're five and one against the spread going back to 2014. Yeah, just another player to mention too. And we talked about how Louisville's got running back problems. Jalen Mitchell looks to be the uh, the RB one going into this week. He's 6200. Uh, he hasn't done much, but in the two games he's been RB one. Uh, he's at 22 carries with 100 yards and two TDs and four receptions for 33 yards. So decent at that price for a cash game at 6,200. You get just some steady points, Wall. Now let's move on to number 17, North Carolina. At number 10, Miami, 8-1, uh, uh, 2.30 p.m. on ABC, Wall. Miami is only giving three over under a 67. This is a game I'm going to be watching. How about you, Woj? You going to have this one on, ABC on? I like this one. And to be surprised, I'm not sure if I like UNC. I mean, I'm going to have some guys in tournament lineups, but I'm not sure uh, I like all the UNC guys. But but I, I will, we're going to talk about it right away. Derek King, he's he, the transfer from Houston. We've talked about him before on this show. He's 9,300 this week. Uh, he is the bread and butter of the uh, Miami offense wall, isn't he? He is, and we talk about him all the time for a reason. He's good, you know. He He's put this Miami team on his shoulders a few times this season, Woj, and won the game on his own. NC State is a game, you know, that comes to mind right off the top of my head. He had 430 yards in that one, five touchdowns. He won that game for them. Without Derek King, they were not winning that game, Woj. He's a PT peer, primetime player. Hey, UNC gives up 25 fantasy points per game to quarter, opposing quarterbacks and 25.2 to opposing running backs. Tariq King's a dual-threat quarterback wall. Uh, we just talked about Sam Hartman and how he torched UNC and scored 42 points for a guy that was only averaging 12 uh, before that game. King has the potential to have a monster score in this game, 50-plus possibly. He's done it before this season. Uh, I would look for him to possibly be able to do it again, Wall. And if you're going to... If you're going to take King, match him up with Mike Harley, the wide receiver from Miami, 7,200. Harley's got 22% of the target share and has been super consistent over the last five games, super consistent. Uh, another person to look for is Mark Pope. 
who was out with COVID. He might be back this week. No one knows yet, so keep an eye on the news for that one, but he's only 4000 That's super cheap for this guy that's got 18% of the target share, uh, and he's producing good numbers relative to his salary at this week at 4000 uh, TD in each of his last two games, um, you know, obviously didn't play the last game versus Duke because of the COVID issues, but we'll see if he plays this week. Keep an eye on that wall. Now, on to UNC's side of the football. We have Sam Howell, Des Newsome, Deami Brown, Michael Carter, Javante Williams. Wall, they're stacked on offense for fantasy. This is incredible. I, I love teams like this, right? Hey, Woj, I guess you do. I don't know. Speak to him. Talk to me. I like Sam Howell. I'll tell you that much, Woj. I know, I, as far as DraftKings is concerned, I can't tell you that. But this shot caller, he's a good one. He's one of the reasons that North Carolina ranked 17 in the nation right now. Yeah, typically I love Sam Howell. Typically I love him. He's at 8,800 this week, but for this matchup, I think that's overpriced. Miami's played well versus quarterbacks, only allowing 18.7 fantasy points per game, which is second in the ACC behind Clemson. That puts him 47th in FBS. Uh, by the way, 43rd against the run. So Miami's defense is no joke uh, right now. So Sam Howell for me is a stretch. Uh, last time he faced an, a defense that was as good as Miami, or probably even better than Miami's, was Notre Dame, uh, and he only scored 18.6 points in that game. But there's still some value on the UNC side, even if you don't take Howell. Daz Newsom is the wide receiver, and Deami Brown is a wide receiver. 6,300 for Newsom, 6,600 for Deami Brown. Now, Deami Brown's kind of the streaker. Big-time playmaker, deep downfield. Newsom is kind of the, the slot receiver, so he's going to get a lot of the underneath routes. Newsom, I think, is the play here. He's had a huge surge lately, has had four TDs in his last four games, being targeted 8.5 per game in those last four games. That's huge, way more than De'Ami Brown's been. But De'Ami Brown's the big playmaker. It's always a good tournament option to have him. With the Miami defense, though, I would lean more towards Daz Newsom and those shorter passes get it a little bit more consistent, get in a groove. You see it in the NFL every week. Those slot receivers just tear people apart, and those are the kind of guys you want in your fantasy team, the guys in the points per reception leagues. You guys want to have those slot receivers that are just going to get tons of targets, and Daz Newsom is that guy. Now, if we switch back to the running game, because it's just as impressive as their passing game at North Carolina, Michael Carter and Javante Williams. Carter, 7,300. Williams is 7,000. These are so tightly salary just because all these guys just are, are crazy good but Michael Carter and Javante Williams well you got a quarter over there flip it if it's heads or heads take Williams if it's tails take Carter because that's basically how it works out with these guys they're 30 both 30 percent of the rushing share on the year and yards Mike Carter has just a few more but that's more or less because he played more versus I think they played uh, Western Kentucky last week he played more in that game and Javante Williams kind of took a break so really flipping a coin Who's going to do better? Who's not? They're both evenly matched. They get fantasy points each week. Uh, but whoever's going to be the one that's going to come out on top is the one that gets more touchdowns. And literally, it's a coin flip on those guys, Wall, in my opinion. Well, I, I can tell you what's not a coin flip, Woj. Let's, let's shift over to the coaches in this game. Mac Brown. Woj knows what I'm going to say about this guy. He's been a friend of mine for a long time. Mac Brown might have been the greatest hire of all time. I should say Ooh. rehire because he actually – he actually did coach back at UNC yeah. before. Did you know that? Way back yeah, in the day. I remember that. 
He did, and then he moved over to Texas, had a great career, very respectable coach, hired back to UNC in 2018. I mean, I, I respect this guy. I named my first dog after him. I don't know if you remember Mac Woj, but I named yeah. my first dog after this guy. Yeah, that's why his name was Mac, Mac Brown, after Mac Brown. But he brought UNC to a, you know, this football team to a point where they're now better than their basketball team. And we're talking about North Carolina, Woj. Did you, hey, did you catch the uh, Iowa basketball game against North Carolina? Uh, on oh yeah, night. sure did. Oh yeah, Big that Ten is on fire this year. Holy, did, did you watch Illinois beat up on Duke last night? That was another one. Holy moly! No, it, it, the Big Ten is—they're really good, actually. To win the Big Ten, uh, Iowa's plus two fifty, and then to make the Final Four, they're plus one fifty. I can't remember what it is, but it's so close that it's almost just the exact same for them to win the Big Ten as it is for them to make the Final Four. Well, that's how good the Big Ten is this year. They're probably expecting more than one team in the Final Four from the Big Ten. But that was a good game in its own right to watch. Iowa obviously won 93 to 80. But this football team, we're going to go back to football, Woj. We're bringing it back to what we talk about. This football team, North Carolina, is now better than their basketball team, and it's because of Mac Brown. His daughter was a Jeopardy winner, actually. She, you know, she's good proof that this is good pedigree over there. I won't tell you if she won more than one for those that watch Jeopardy, but she was on Jeopardy. She won one. Manny Diaz on the other side, coaching over there at Miami, Florida. You know, he's fairly new head coach by standards of Mac Brown, 14 and eight at Miami so far, two years over there. Much better this year than last year. I'll give him that. Battle of the coaches, though, it's quite clear. You got to take North Carolina in this game. You went through all the players. The players do win the game. The coaches probably win championships, but the players do win the game. Really a tougher take on that one after listening to all the players you mentioned, but I'm going to have to go with UNC. I'm going to have to take the points. I don't have to go on the money line, but I'm probably going to anyways. You know, if you want to get the money line like me, you probably get in quick because that's that's probably going to drop. The spread might stay the same right around that three. I like your pick, Walt, like your pick. Now let's head to a game that's a little bit different. At the beginning of the episode, we talked about some high over-unders, and we talked about some low ones. We got Navy 3-6 and six at Army 7-2, and two, 2 p.m. CBS, Walt. Tell us a little <laughs> bit about that one. Well, it's just as one you have to watch. Every year you have to watch it. They got a little more competition for screen space on your TVs this year, though, with all these games. But Army minus 7, over-under of 38 it's a DraftKings dream, I'm guessing, right? Well, it's over under 30 <laughs> not minutes. quite, not quite. Not, not quite. Hey, that's okay, though, because when you got two teams playing each other, when their slogans are beat Army and beat Navy, you know this is a rivalry game, Woj, and that's what it's going to shape up to on the field. I'm really excited for it. In the series, Navy is winning 61, 52, and seven. Seven ties in this series. That's a lot of ties for a series. Big news in this game, it was moved to West Point. Normally, they play on a neutral field, Woj. They play at different places, but Philadelphia most recently, they had to move it because of COVID. So now it's at West Point. Army's not only probably got the better team, they got the home field advantage in this one this year. It's going to be tough for Navy, but these are uh, two teams that are really day-to-day anyways. They play on Saturday, one team wins. They play on Sunday, another team wins. Coin flip, kind of. Army only two losses on the season, but very easy schedule, Woj. They have wins against Mercer, Citadel, and Middle Tennessee. So, you know, <laughs> I don't know about those wins. I, you put those in your scrapbook? Yeah, I don't think so, Wall. <laughs> I don't think those no, go on the fridge. No, I don't think those ones go in the fridge either. But Army, decent competition was Tulane and Cincinnati. They lost both of them, couldn't pick up a win. I'd probably think different of this team if they did beat one of those, you know, respectable teams, we'll call them. Georgia Southern and UTSA were – Probably if you're at a cocktail party, the only win that these players talk about, because those are two good teams, not great by any means. Jacoby, 
Buchanan. Army's leading rusher, 87 carries, 383 yards. He's a fullback, Woj. A fullback. Yeah, I know what love that is. those fullbacks. Love those fullbacks. Oh, he's their yeah. highest fantasy point per game, by the way, player, and he's a fullback. I believe it. Hey, when you have the most carries and the most rushing yards, you're probably going to be that, but it's crazy. He's a fullback. The true running back back there stands behind him in the lineup, Tyrell Robinson, 50 carries for 379 yards. If someone's going to break one in this game, it's likely going to be Robinson, but it's going to be Buchanan that's getting the bulk of the carries. Navy record, if you look at it, it seems a little less impressive compared to Army, but they've had a little more of a difficult road, Navy has. BYU, Tulane, Temple, SMU, Memphis, you know, ranked Tulsa. These Those are not easy wins compared to what Army, when we went through what they had. Navy's been cycling through quarterbacks, though. That's That's been their problem as of late. They can't figure something out that will actually work. You know, they're totaling 13 points in their last two games. That's not going to get it done, is it, Look, <laughs> No, it doesn't get it done, no. <laughs> it doesn't get it done. You don't win football games when you total 13 in two games combined. But over there, if we had to pick something out, you know, Nelson Smith, you'll likely be the one producing results for that Navy offense, if there is any results on that Navy offense. 117 carries, 622 yards, eight touchdowns on the season. Whoosh, hold your hats, baby. This is another fullback. Yes, we're talking about another fullback that's leading the team in rushing yards and touchdowns. You know, the question, though, in this game, it's not going to be on the offenses. It's going to be on the defenses. I think both teams have a good defense. Army top four in yards per game, top 10 in points per game. Navy is a bit farther down in the middle, but as we said, they played a level up most of the year on their competition, so their stats might not be as great as Army comparably. But top players being fullbacks, two good defenses, Total points might even be a tad high in this one. Navy getting a touchdown or more. I just like Navy getting a touchdown or more in a rivalry game. No other reason. Hey, well, it's, it's no question what both of these game plans are for these programs. You have Navy and Army, both a running team. Army runs it 88.8% of the time, which is first in FBS. And Navy runs it, I think it was 793 which is third in FBS. Uh, so it's no question what they're usually going to do most of the time uh, on the ground. If I had the, there, it's impossible to pinpoint like running backs. Uh, Twenty people on Army have a percent of the rushing share this season on their team. Uh, we talked about some of the running or uh, uh, Buchan uh, Army fullback, and you've talked about the Navy fullback. But really, when it comes down to it, the it, running back by committee is an understatement for this wall. Uh, it's running back by Army. Uh, they have just a, a full army of players. Both teams do. Uh, <laughs> Navy Navy doesn't even have a tight end on their roster, and Army I think has 20 uh, registered running backs on their roster. So uh, it's it's just a different way to play football, different way to look at it. As far as uh, DraftKings go, I would steer clear from this one, um, and I would not take anybody from this game. <laughs> hey, that's a bold strategy, Woj. I think it's the right one. All right, another game we have this week, Duke at Florida State, uh, 3 p.m. on the ACC Network again. Well, another one you're not going to get to watch. No, and if you don't put that state in there, well, this game completely changes around from what I'm thinking. But Florida State minus five, over under a 57. Florida State has not played a game since November 14th, Woj. November 14th. When this one is played, it's going to be November 12th. Can you give me a little bit of leeway and say it's about a month? It's December 12th, yeah, just kind of like Wake December Forest 12th. with all these uh, with all these COVID cancellations and everything. It's, it's a long time for some of these teams. 
It is. And you mentioned before with Ohio State getting that rest, that's going to help them out. Don't disagree with you at all. Your team gets a week off. That's good. It rests them. You get two weeks, three weeks, four weeks off. That's not such a good thing anymore. Your team is not ready. They're not in football shape that these other teams that have been playing every day are. So that's going to be a problem for Florida State potentially. The Clemson and Virginia games were the two that were postponed in quotes, Woj. I have no idea when they're going to play those ones, but they were the ones that were postponed. So Florida State doesn't have those games in the past few weeks. You know, before that, though, they had a rough going anyway. One win against Jacksonville State Gamecocks. Uh, to their credit, though, Woj, <laughs> Jacksonville State Gamecocks were first in Ohio Valley Conference with three wins. They had three wins. So that, that's one of their uh, wins up there for Florida State. You know, it's not an FBS school, obviously. That's what I'm talking about. Trepidation, though, in fading Florida State in this game comes against their win from UNC, who's a team we already talked about. 31 to 28 in Tallahassee, Florida State was home, but they're also home in this game. You know, the team that shows up, if, I should say if that team shows up, that Florida State team shows up, they beat Duke by at least 21, Woj. So that's a little bit of a scare. But this Duke football team, they're struggling this year also. Only ACC win is against Syracuse, who's awful in their own right. Chase Bryce, quarterback on Duke. We've talked about him before, Woj. 2,089 passing yards on 335 attempts. That's sixth in the nation in pass attempts by a quarterback. Is that somebody you take for your DraftKings team? It is, uh, but he does a lot of things, other things with the ball, too, that usually is a negative effect on, uh, <laughs> on your DraftKings points. <laughs> well, you know what? I know what you're talking about. If you look at his touchdown-interception ratio, I'm guessing you're talking about those interceptions. It's 9-13. to 13. That is not good. In fact, that is quite awful, 9 to 13 <laughs> yeah. on that golden ratio. So yeah, you maybe stay away from this guy in DraftKings. But my system has Duke as a half-point favorite in this one. I was loving it when I saw it until I looked through the matchup a little bit more, kind of what I just talked about. You know, I'll likely follow the system, but in smaller size or perhaps take a, a big alternate line on Florida State minus 20 or something at big plus money, you know, thinking that Florida State – could win, and if they do win, it's going to be a huge blowout. But I, I, I likely be on the Duke side just because that's what my system has. Yeah, we go from a great defensive game wall to a bad one. Uh, this is the this is the teams that are the complete opposite of uh, the Navy Army game. But Duke spreads the ball out a lot as far as DraftKings goes here, so I'm fading any Duke wide receiver. Uh, they have a big roster of wide receivers, and they and they faded. They spread it out quite a bit. We you talked about Chase Bryce, uh, the Duke quarterback. He's 5,500. Uh, he's bargain bin this week. I mean, that's really bargain bin. Um, his numbers wouldn't be so bad. They actually wouldn't be that bad, Wall. And, and you just mentioned how he's sixth in the nation in pass attempts by QB. If he just didn't throw so many damn interceptions and fumbles, Wall, <laughs> he has 13 interceptions. That's 9 to 13 on the TD ratio. And he has seven fumbles this season. That's awful. It's a point, minus a point for each one of those. Uh, he, he did score 18.6 for Syracuse in a kind of a game that'll be in kind of the same realm as far as defenses go, uh, despite throwing one interception and fumbling the ball twice that game. I don't know what it is with this guy, what it is with the football. Like he needs to just sleep with the football at night because he just needs to not fumble that thing. I, hopefully this guy doesn't have, well, I shouldn't say this, but as jokingly, this guy shouldn't have any kids because he's just going to drop the kid left and right. Uh, as far as a Duke player goes other than him uh and i wouldn't mind taking chase bryson possibly a cash game if you really wanted to kind of fade your your money in other directions 
at 5,500. He is bargain bin, so you don't have to get much to get back to even with him, uh, even value. So it's a possibility. But again, he needs to just stop turning the ball over uh, so many times per game, and, and he'll just pull out some really good numbers. But another Duke person, uh, Mateo Durant, the running back from Duke, he's 6,400. Pretty decent play. Uh, he's had an increase in carries the last four weeks. He scored 25.4, 27.1, 24.8, and then he had 7.8. But that was versus Miami, so I'm not going to take that against him. He's not going to be playing that Miami defense in this game. Uh, another, uh, I mean, it's just Florida State gives up 33.6 points per game to opposing running backs, so he's not a bad option for some produ- productivity this week. Um, Ontario Wilson, the wide receiver from Ohio or Florida State, sorry about that, uh, he's only 5,500. Florida State had their wide receiver one opt-out for the season, yet again another opt-out, which gives Wilson more targets. He scored 27.7 last week, the first week after the opt-out, and that was versus NC State. Duke's secondary hasn't played too awful this year, but uh, again, uh, you're just getting some a bargain bin receiver there who's now wide receiver one at only 5,500. So uh, usually those those guys in the 5,000 range to 6,000 range all your all your wide receiver twos, but he's actually going to be their uh, wide receiver one. Another play would be Joshua Corbin, the wide receiver running back for Florida State. He's also at 5,500. Uh, he's going to be the new RB1 with yet another opt-out. Well, <laughs> uh, LaDamian Webb stepping away for the rest of the year, gives Corbin the ball for the rest of the way, should get another good boost in uh, in percentage carries uh, for the week. And uh, Duke has a really, 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 really bad uh, rushing defense, worst in the conference. Uh, so I would look for him to do a lot of good stuff at only 5,500, Wall. That moves us on to our Wojen Wall Pick'em Wall. Last week you won, I lost. Uh, the Washington State didn't hold up their end of the bargain for me on Sunday night. You had Arkansas plus three, and they won. Um, who are you taking this week, Wall? Who's going to be your Wojen Wall Pick'em? Well, Woj, I'm going to have to rest my quarterback this week. I'm going to have to rest my star running back because I'm sitting pretty right now in the Wojen Wall Pick'em. But where am I going this week? I'm going UNC plus three. I always like to say, teach what you preach. Some people say practice what you preach, but UNC, I'm taking the points. Mr. Mac Brown, get it for me. Yeah, I am going to go back to my roots. I'm going to take my favorite team. I'm going to take the Iowa Hawkeyes plus one playing against the unranked Wisconsin Badgers. Uh, The uh, fiance won't be happy about that one because she is a Badger fan, but uh, I am going to take my Hawkeyes getting one. My, uh, By the way, my rank 16th in the college football playoffs, Hawkeyes, uh, getting one uh, against an unranked Wisconsin team now. So uh, I think we can handle Mertz, and I think we can handle the rush defense, or ru- our rushing game of our Wisconsin. And I don't think Wisconsin's going to be able to handle the Iowa, though. I think they're, uh, they've come around. They've started playing a lot better towards the end of the season. So I'm liking my plus one with the Hawkeyes there, Wall. Uh, don't forget as well, guys, that I do still am doing the uh, fourth and goal on Twitch every Friday at 6 p.m. Uh, I will be doing it again this week, so grab a drink, come hang out, chat and chat, and we'll talk about building up uh, a cash game lineup and, and a tournament lineup for this week's DraftKings. Only only lasts for about an hour, but uh, it's fun having guys there and, and chatting away and getting some good talk. Go Hawks! Thanks for listening, everyone. 
You can catch us on Twitter at WWCFB. Our Instagram's college underscore football underscore rundown. Our website, which you can get all our podcasts and information and contact me and Kyle on, is collegefootballrundown.com. Thanks again for listening, everybody. I'm Woj. I'm Walt. And this was the College Football Rundown. We're out. We're out.